There are some predictions about the future that people got so wrong. Like this Western Union memo that went out in 1876 that read, This telephone has too many shortcomings to be seriously considered as a means of communication. Or how about this one? There is no reason for any individual to have a computer in his home. Ken Olson of Digital Equipment Corporation in 1977. Hindsight can be a wonderful thing if we're able to learn from it. You know, looking back is not always a bad thing. For looking back can have positive benefits on our present as well as our future. Welcome to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp. Here, we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. Sometimes the best way forward is to have a willingness to take an honest look at our past. This week, Charles Tapp explains what this means and how you can gain a better perspective as we enter a new year. With his message, better, stronger, wiser. You know, one of the rites of passage that many young people look forward to, I know I did back in the day when I was young, and that's turning 16 so that we could go and get our driver's license. You know, we were more excited about getting our driver's license than turning 18 when we were given the privilege and the right to vote. But what was really special about the whole experience of of getting my license, even more than than passing the test and I had to take it twice, don't tell anybody that, was the experience of my father teaching me how to drive. And by the way, he gave me my first driving lesson when I was 10 years of age. I know I didn't have a license, but he took me in a safe place and he taught me how to drive. And one of the first lessons I learned from my father was the importance of keeping my eyes fixed on what was in front of me. And he would always say to me, as only my father could, son, there's a reason why the windshield is considerably larger than the rear view mirror. In other words, what he meant was that what's going on in front of you is more important than what is taking place behind you. But as important as this lesson would prove to be for this young rookie driver that I was, I would also learn from him and even later from life itself that there would be times in my life when looking through the rearview mirror would prove not only to be a necessity, but would also prove to be my saving grace. I'll never forget coming back from a church event one evening, and I heard this car racing up behind me. And I looked through my rearview mirror, and it it appeared as though he was going around 100 miles per hour. But instead of slowing down, I put my foot on the accelerator and started to speed up. And it was then that he crashed into our vehicle. And if I had not looked through my rearview mirror to see how fast he was coming so that I could put my foot on the gas to try to minimize the blow, I probably wouldn't be here today. Sometimes looking through the rearview mirror of our lives, dear friends, can not only be a necessity, but it can also be 
our saving grace. And as we have finally come to the end of what has been one of the most challenging years of our lives, the most challenging year I would even dare say in recent history, the tendency that many of us have, I'm sure, is to try to get into the next year as quickly as we possibly can and put this year of all years behind us. But as we will learn from our message today, sometimes, dear friends, listen to me today, Sometimes it's only as you and I are willing to take a good, hard, honest look at our past that we are able to become the people who in fact are better, stronger, wiser. So as we go to God's word today, I want us to turn to a passage that I'm sure a lot of preachers are using this time of the year and it's found in the book of Philippians chapter 3. And I want us to take a look today at verses 12 to verse 14. So turn there with me. Philippians chapter 3, as we look at verses 12 to 14. This is Paul's epistle to the believers at Philippi. Look at what he's saying. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but Paul says, I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Verse 13, brethren, he says, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward, he says, to those things which are ahead. Verse 14, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God, he says, in Christ Jesus. As we read this well-known passage, many are of the mindset that Paul's goal here is solely on focusing on that which lies ahead of him. That he is encouraging these Philippian believers to keep their eyes on only what's in front of them and completely disregard what is in the rearview mirror of their lives. But I have to humbly disagree with that today. For I am of the opinion that although Paul admonishes us as believers to press toward the prize that, that lies ahead of us, I feel that we do Paul as well as scripture in general a disservice if this is all we can extricate from this passage. And I believe that the key to understanding this verse, dear friends, lies not in first asking what it is that Paul wants to attain and why, nor is it in asking what goal he's pressing toward and how he hopes to get there. But I believe our first question has to be this. What is it that Paul wants to forget? Look at verses 4 to verse 7 now. Still in Philippians chapter 3. He says, though I also might have confidence in the flesh. <laughs> If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, Paul says, I more so. Circumcised on the eighth day 
of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Concerning the law, Paul says, listen, I was a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, I persecuted the church. Concerning righteousness, which is in the law, Paul says what? I am blameless. Look at verse 7. But what things were gained to me, Paul says, these I have counted for loss for Christ Jesus. Listen. When you read Paul's words here, it reminds you of someone upon hearing another person's achievements or accomplishments begins to tell them what he has done and how much more he or she has done. It's like when you tell someone about some great achievement or some great accomplishment in your life, but instead of them being happy for you, they begin to try to one-up you. Do you know anybody like that? Instead of celebrating with you, they begin to tell you how much more, how much better they have done in that certain area. You see, one-uppers, as they are called, are afraid of being perceived as small or weak or insignificant. And they engage in these constant power plays to give themselves a, a feeling of satisfaction and superiority. And they do this by making a point of always trying to outdo you, always trying to outperform you. They're always trying, dear friends, to outclass you in every way. And Paul begins his one-upmanship by stating and sharing the advantages that were afforded to him at birth. Paul says, listen, I was circumcised like every good male Jew on the eighth day. He says, I'm of good stock. I'm from the, the pure Israel descent. And then Paul begins to share the advantages that he has achieved through his own personal accomplishments. Paul says, listen, I'm not just a Jew. I'm not just the leader. Paul says, I'm a Pharisee. I'm part of the strictest party of the Jewish faith who has concern primarily with living a very strict life in conformity with the law where they believe God's regulations should be kept right down to the smallest, to the most minute of details. And if you remember, dear friends, it were the Pharisees who tried to make miserable Jesus' life concerning everything from challenging how he kept and observed to Sabbath, even to intimating that he was not of God, but that he was of the devil. And concerning Paul's zeal, con concerning his enthusiasm, he says, listen, I went above and beyond the call of duty. I was a fanatic. I even persecuted those who were followers of Jesus Christ. And finally, when it comes to the adherence of the law, the adherence of the Torah, which Jews believe they derive their righteousness from by keeping this law, Paul says, listen, nobody can find fault when it comes to how I kept the law. I was blameless in that area. 
I did more than any good respecting Jew would do when it came to the issue of circumcision, when it came to the issue of Sabbath keeping. Paul said, listen, I kept all 39 Sabbath prohibitions. I didn't light a candle on the Sabbath. I didn't walk but a certain distance on the Sabbath. Why? Because I'm a good Jew. For in his mind, dear friends, when it came to keeping the law, Paul says, I was faultless. But then Paul makes a very startling announcement. For the things that he once thought were to his advantage, he has come now, he says, to view them as loss. It is as if Paul is revising his balance statements. You know, the balance statement is that financial document where you list all of your assets and you balance them by removing all of the liabilities. And what Paul was simply saying here, the things that I once thought were assets, the things in my life that I once thought had great value, Paul says, I now view them as liabilities. I now see them for the hindrance that they were in my life. Why? Because now, Paul says, I have a new life in Jesus Christ. Please don't miss this. What Paul is saying here is simply this. I had to abandon my religion, which was a liability, in order that I might gain Christ. Did you hear what I just said? Paul had to abandon his religion in order that he might serve Christ. I challenge some of you today, you may have to abandon your religious faith so that you can truly serve God. Let's go back to the story in Philippians chapter 3. Let's look at verses 8 to verse 10 this time. Look at what God's word says. Yet indeed, Paul says, I also count all things lost. What are those all things? The things he just listed to us, the circumcision and all the rest. He says, I count them all for loss, for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I suffered the loss of all things. And look at this last part and count them as rubbish that I might gain Christ and be found in him, he says, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, here it is, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Verse 10, that I may know him, and he doesn't stop there. But Paul says, I don't want to just know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want that power, Paul says, to now live in my life. And the fellowship of his what? Sufferings being conformed, Paul says, to his death. Listen, Paul has had to come to the realization that his righteousness was not gained by any adherence to the law, regardless of however strict it may have been. But Paul has now come to the conclusion, dear friends, that his righteousness is in knowing Christ. 
And because of this newfound relationship with Christ, Paul now says those things, those things which were in my rear view mirror, those things that I once thought had value, that I once thought were an asset to me, Paul says, I now view them as trash. I see them now for the rubbish that they are. And some translations render that word dong. Do I need to say any more about that? You're listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, Better, Stronger, Wiser. And if you're enjoying this message or you'd like to find others like it, you can find out more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. We'll conclude with the rest of his message right after this. Jesus came here for you. No matter what your skin color is. Jesus came here for you if you're Republican, Democrat, neutral, don't know or don't care, or any political party. Jesus came for the far left and the far right, or if you're somewhere in between. Jesus came for the person who cut you off in traffic. Jesus came for the homeless, the poor, the middle class, and the rich. Jesus came for love. Love. Jesus came for you and for all his children. We're here to remind you of that. WGTS 91.9. Always encouraging. And 88.3 on the Eastern Shore. This is Simple Truths for Life. And sometimes the best way forward is to have a willingness to take an honest look at our past. This week, Charles Tapp explains how this can help you gain a better perspective in this new year. As he concludes his message, better, stronger, wiser. So when Paul says in verse 13, forgetting those things which are behind, in other words, forgetting those things which are now in my rearview mirror, he's not really talking about literally trying to put them out of his mind. That's impossible. You and I know that it's hard for us, impossible for us to completely forget things. But Paul is saying simply that he has had to reassess their value dear friends. And by reassessing their value, recognizing that they're not really assets but liabilities, now, Paul says, I am enabled to press forward toward the true goal of his life. What was Paul's true goal, dear friends? Paul said it was to lay hold of Christ, the one who first laid hold of him. You know, sometimes in life, the best way for us to actually move forward so that we can truly become better, stronger, wiser is to have the willingness, dear friends, to take a brutal, honest look at our past, not so that we can sit around and wallow in it, but so that we might gain a proper perspective of it as well as the role that God wants our past to play in successfully helping us to move forward to the future that he has planned for each and every one of us. Paul is not saying that he's trying to forget his past. And I say this because Paul was always reminding us of his past. He was always talking about how he is the chief of sinners. He always brought up his conversion experience. So Paul wasn't trying to forget it. Paul was trying to give it perspective. Paul understood, dear friends, 
that in looking through the rearview mirror of life and looking at it honestly, sometimes it gives us the strength to be propelled forward to the future. Even throughout the Old Testament, we see time and time again where God is reminding his people of their past. Even in the beginning of the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, God begins it by saying, remember, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Why did God remind them of their past? So that they could have not only a better appreciation for him, but a better appreciation for where he was now about to take them. Sometimes we've got to experience slavery so that we can truly appreciate what it means to be free. Sometimes we've got to experience some storms in our lives, dear friends, so that we can truly appreciate when the sun comes out. Who says amen to that today? You know, looking back, it's not always a bad thing. For looking back can have positive benefits on our present as well as our future. I want to share with you today five reasons we all need to take time and look back. Number one, it reminds us of how far we have come. You know, dear friends, sometimes we don't think we're making progress at all. It feels as though we're never going to get where we want to go. But it is only when we look through the rearview mirror that we're able to see how far we've really come. Dear friends, I am what I am, not because of anything within me. It is because of the grace of God that is in me and in you. Number two, it helps us to keep an open mind when we look through the rearview mirror of our lives. Sometimes, dear friends, we look back and we realize we missed some opportunities. Sometimes because we're closed-minded about some things, we're prejudiced about some things, and it teaches us as we move forward toward the future to open our minds to new and different experiences in our lives. Number three, looking back provides us an opportunity to reflect on the goodness of God in your life. Now, let's just be honest for a moment. Can we, can, we just be, can we just be honest for a moment? Everything in your life is not bad. It is when you and I look through the rearview mirror of our lives, we can be reminded of the goodness that God has brought into our lives. And why is that important? Because now it can energize us to move forward toward the future. If we're only looking ahead of us, we miss the growth that we've experienced in the past. Sometimes we get the strength to do new things because we know how successful we were in doing some things in the past. Number four, it helps us to be reminded of our, of our God-given mission. I know that's true. Well, you know, sometimes in ministry you get tired and you wonder, do I really want to do this? <laughs> Do I really want to continue this? We've all felt that way, folk. But it is only when I look to my past, when I look to when God called me to my burning bush, that I am reminded of the mission and the purpose that he has placed in my life and in my heart. And it gives me strength to move forward 
to new challenges that lie ahead. And lastly, number five, it helps you to learn from your victories as well as your defeats. I don't know about you all, but honestly, I think I have learned more from my defeats in life than I have from my victories. I've learned what not to do. I've learned how to do it differently. Many times in life, when we look through the rearview mirror of our lives, dear friends, it helps us to know how to move forward. So looking back is not always a bad thing. I love this quote by one of my favorite authors, Oswald Chambers. If you're looking for a good devotional book, he's the author of My Utmost for His Highest. That would be a great book for you to get for the, for the new year. But look at what he says here. He says, our yesterdays present irreparable things to us. It is true that we have lost opportunities, he says, which will never return. But God, he says, can transform this destructive anxiety into a constructive thoughtfulness for the future. Sometimes you and I can only get a proper perspective for our future when we look to what is behind us. He goes on to say, let the past, what? Sleep. <laughs> let the past sleep. But let it sleep, he says, on the bosom of Christ. In other words, give the past to God. Let him handle it. Stop carrying around the past. It is only going to weigh you down. Don't always see it as something that wears you down. See it as something that can propel you forward. He says, leave the irreparable past in his hands and step out, I love this, into the irresistible future with him. I want to end my message today are going back to Philippians chapter 3. And I want to end it with the very verse that we began, verse 12. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. That I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold on me. Paul says, I have not attained. I haven't perfected yet. And he's not talking about some misguided idea of perfectionism. But this word perfect telos in the Greek means, dear friends, to move forward, to bring to an end, to bring to a conclusion. In other words, Paul is saying, I haven't reached my goal yet, but this one thing I do putting my past into perspective, learning the lessons that can now propel me for the future, Paul says, I now press toward the prize. And what is the prize for Paul? The ultimate prize for Paul is knowing Christ when he sees him face to face. If our goal is to be better, stronger and wiser 
It means that when we look through the rearview mirror of our lives, we can't use it as something to weigh us down. We've got to use it as something to remind us of how good God has been to us in spite of what has transpired throughout this year. Because when it's all said and done, I want to know Christ and I want to experience the power of his resurrection in my life. You've been listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, Better, Stronger, Wiser. And if you want to listen again or share it with someone, you can find these messages on platforms like Apple Podcasts and now also on Spotify. Or visit us online at simpletruthsforlife.org. Now here's what we're working on for next week. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, Jesus says it doesn't start off that way. It starts off small and insignificant and tiny, but it does a big work. Next week, Charles Tapp begins a brand new series of messages about what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God as he shares part one of Keys to the Kingdom with his message titled, Small Beginnings. Well, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll plan to join us again next week for more Simple Truths for Life. Jesus came here for you. No matter what your skin color is. Jesus came here for you if you're Republican, Democrat, neutral, don't know or don't care, or any political party. Jesus came for the far left and the far right, or if you're somewhere in between. Jesus came for the person who cut you off in traffic. Jesus came for the homeless, the poor, the middle class, and the rich. Jesus came for love. Love. Jesus came for you and for all his children. We're here to remind you of that. WGTS 91.9. Always encouraging. And 88.3 on the Eastern Shore.